3: and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what?
4: Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, ever since I was younger, I was into video games. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum.
5: And I'm Joe McCormick. And today we're going to be revisiting a topic that we've talked about on the show
4: before, but I felt like we, we were due for an update. Yeah, because this was back in, what, 2013 when we talked about the first time. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah,
2: December 4th, 2013, which is late in the year
5: of 2013, I suppose. <laughs> I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's
2: like all the way in December. I
5: think there's a few months after December. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah.
4: There's november it's
5: <laughs> <laughs> the topic today is going to be virtual reality. Oh shoot! <laughs> because I looked at
4: virtual realty. Oh, like 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 land you would buy in uh-huh. in, in, in in like Sim City or something. <laughs>
5: Oh, that that wouldn't be a bad topic on, in itself, actually. Maybe actually, some uses be. of virtual reality in the future will involve selling homes at low, low prices. Yeah. Now, I'm w-
2: pretty sure they will, actually. Uh So, okay, so in this original episode in uh, 2013, we went really deep into the history of virtual reality, including a lot of uses outside of the gaming industry, like in therapy and uh, training programs, stuff like that. That history, as far as we know, has not changed.
4: Yeah, as long as no little police call boxes with a defective <laughs> chameleon device have landed somewhere in the past and messed things up. That, I, I'm pretty sure all the VR news are fixed points in time.
2: I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. I, I mean, unless we're dealing with one of those like Bernstein bear issues, <laughs> that thing is still messing me up, man.
4: All right. Well, that's that's fair. I'm more of a weeping angels kind of guy myself. But uh yeah, so we wanted to to revisit this specifically because. VR was one of those things that went through an incredibly rough patch shortly after the term got popularized.
5: Yeah, and I think that's because versions of it were being brought, would you say, to market? I don't know, at least to uh, consumer experience in a way, even if people weren't buying things to keep in their homes. Mm -hmm. People were going to malls and shows and stuff like that where they could get into some kind of virtual reality experience. And it was... Underwhelming.
4: Yeah, the, the expectations did not meet, uh, were not met, I should say, uh, especially based upon the amazing depictions we got from Hollywood. Oh, right, right. Like Lawnmower Man, you know, phenomenal <laughs> depictions of VR experience.
2: Yes, exactly, like <laughs>
4: Lawnmower Man.
2: Uh, but but certainly, Lawnmower Man is less nauseating than some of these early virtual reality headsets were. Yeah,
4: I can uh, speak from experience because we're talking I, about
5: the nineties, uh, right?
4: Yeah, I think I actually said this in our. In fact, I'm sure I said it in our 2013 episode, which I, I did not go back and listen to, but I am. I can't imagine that I would have let a VR discussion go by without talking about my personal experience of playing Dactyl Nightmare, or whatever it was, or Dactyl Terror, the polygon pterodactyl game that was a VR game. They used to showcase it in a mall that's not too far from where we are now, and I would go to this mall and spend five of my hard-earned dollars to spend five minutes feeling very sick in this very but primitive with VR game. Yeah. Which but
2: makes it all worth it,
4: vaguely pterodactyl shaped polygons, <laughs> yeah, coming after me. it was not as as awesome, i like I could see the potential even then, like the head tracking software was amazing. The idea that I could turn my head in real life and my view in the virtual world would change as a result of that was a cool idea, oh yeah, the latency issue was terrible because that's what starts to create that feeling of of you know being nauseated
5: right and that this is the problem where the the hardware can't quite keep up it's not able to serve images to your eyes at just the right speed to match how you're turning your head. So instead, there's this kind of dragging effect. Yeah, that
4: swimmy kind of feel. Now, that was the case back in the 90s. Right. Uh, today, we have much more powerful processors, including video processors, graphics processors, mm-hmm. where we've managed to, and by we, I mean people who actually work on this stuff, have managed to reduce that latency to a point where it is not really detectable Mm-hmm. by humans. And, and we're surprisingly good at noticing that. So that was a big challenge.
5: Yeah. And that was the news that we were reacting to in 2013 when we talked about this. And we sort of asked the questions after so many bad incarnations over the years, is virtual reality just dead forever or can, can it really come back? And can new innovations in VR make the technology more attractive and even something that will become the new way to have, you know, virtual immersive or gaming experiences.
4: Right. Could this potentially be the replacement of your traditional console or gaming PC? And there have been
5: some interesting developments on that question. I, already I've seen some tech journalists calling 2016 the year of VR. Understandable. That may be, that may be premature since we've only made it a little bit into 2016, but they might have a good reason for doing that because I want to report on some uh, survey results from the Game Developers Conference State of the Industry Survey for 2016,
4: mm-hmm.
5: which came out January 2016, and it's based on feedback from uh, more than 2,000 game developers who were uh, attendees of this conference. Mm-hmm. And they said in the past year, the percent of uh, participating game developers working on VR projects has more than doubled. So in 2015, 7% of game developers were working on virtual reality. In 2016, 16%
4: were. Right, so this also reminds us that doubling is not necessarily a huge number if you're starting with a relatively small one. (laughs) With seven,
2: yeah. But but, still significant. Right, right, right? sure.
4: So I'm actually surprised that it's that low, honestly, just because VR is one of those things that has so much buzz behind it, even even considering the multiple delays we have seen, or at least the perceived delays we have seen in the release schedule for the hardware. Like some of the biggest names in VR hardware... As of the recording of this podcast have yet to come out, but well, they're
5: scheduled to come out this year. Well, it seems like a big gamble now because there there really are. I think there's only one major VR headset available for the consumer right now, isn't there? Well, I mean, yeah. And even oh, then it's
2: one that can be considered, considered actually VR. Yeah. We'll yeah. get into that later.
5: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, this is a thing where you you don't already have that pretty uh, dependable delivery method. So if you're developing a game for the Xbox or the PlayStation you've already got a base number of people who have this console in their homes and you can depend on some subset of them to download it or buy it in the store and, and, and pay for your product. With VR, we don't know. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of people with VR headsets in yeah. their houses. Yet. You
4: have to you have to create the market first and then sell to that market.
5: Yeah, so the, the, it is a gamble. Yeah. And you so you can see why it would be slow to pick up, but mm-hmm. these numbers are making it look like, more and more people are making this gamble and saying, eh, we're, we're, we think VR is the future, and that lines up with other numbers from this survey. For example, 15% of developers said that their next game project will incorporate virtual reality, uh, and that was up from 6% who said this last year. Uh, this one is promising... Seventy five percent of respondents held the opinion that, quote, VR slash AR is a long term sustainable business to be in.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, AR, of course, being augmented reality.
4: Yeah, yeah. The difference with virtual reality and augmented reality is with augmented reality, you are looking at the real world. Mm-hmm. through whatever... Through a screen. Yeah, it might be through a transparent screen, or it might be through a display that has a camera mounted on the other side so mm-hmm. that you're getting a video feed of the world around you. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you have some sort of digital information that is overlaid right. with on, on the real world.
5: Yeah, so virtual reality is all fake stuff. Augmented reality is real world plus fake stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah. More or less. Yes, I'm, I'll agree to that. And, and <laughs> of course... Part of the problem with that question is that by grouping both VR and AR together, it may be that some of them have very strong opinions on one and opposite opinions of the other. That's
5: exactly right. Yeah, I made that note that um, we'll have to take that kind of prediction with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. we don't know, you know, maybe they meant that, oh, some people think AR is going to be really big. Yeah. But uh, and another one along these lines is the question to game developers, how soon will VR slash AR devices surpass the consumer adoption rate of game consoles in 2015, which is about 40 percent. Uh, so h- how soon are they going to be bigger than game consoles right. are now?
4: When when are we going to see a VR headset Get greater sales than a PS4 or an Xbox one or whatever Mm -hmm. the equivalent is, Uh,
2: which which they're saying is a is a base level of the population of about 40 percent. Right.
4: Got it.
5: Uh, So a hilarious group said, oh, it'll happen by 2018. That was one percent of
4: respondents. That is incredibly aggressive. (laughs) That's a that's a small But mighty group. Uh huh. You you have to (laughs) admire their optimism. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, 44% said this would happen by 2026 and 54%, so a majority, said it would happen by 2030. Uh, 27% said they thought it would never happen, hmm. that yeah. you're never going to have VR or AR becoming more popular wow. than game consoles. And, huh.
4: and if you add all those numbers wow. up and you say, wait, that's more than 100%, you can remember that the 54% that say it happens by 2030 includes, essentially includes the 44% yeah. and the 1% who said by 2026 or 2018. Well, I think it'll
5: happen by 2018, but not 2030.
4: (laughs) Like by by 2030, we have totally surpassed it and we've gone to the next thing. No,
5: no. I mean, I'm yet again invoking TARDIS-based predictions. Oh, gotcha, gotcha.
4: So the interesting thing to me is that it's 44% by 2026 still seems, I guess, pessimistic is the best word for it because you think that's 10 years out. So you're saying... That less than half of them thought that even in 10 years, the technology would be not just mature enough, but priced at a level where it would sell greater than whatever the comparable console of the time would be.
2: Yeah,
5: but that is talking about exceeding console performance.
2: So. Uh, sure. And, and also you're, to be fair, asking a potentially biased group of humans sure, who right. are employees of the game industry.
5: And, right. These so are, it's these kind are both- of – these are the people who know what they're talking about, but it also their future kind of depends on the answer. There's right, also sure. there's
4: also a weird shift right now. Oh, not weird. There is a shift right now where for a while we saw console gaming being really dominant in the industry. And now it's another PC centric population, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I still know lots of dedicated console gamers. That's the way they game and that's all they oh, do. Sure. Yeah. But. PC gaming has experienced uh, a real renaissance over the last five years. I would say.
2: Oh, absolutely! If you had asked me when the Xbox had been out for a few months, the the, the first Xbox, mm-hmm. the I would have said that PC gaming would never make a comeback the way that it has. Well, today. And,
4: and it's one of those, you know, I think it's a cycle, we or a pendulum, at least, sure. right? Where you see it swing one way versus the other. Where if you get to a point where the consoles are sophisticated enough where you're getting a satisfying gaming experience from them uh, and you don't have to worry about upgrading them constantly mm-hmm. so that you can keep up with the latest games, then it makes sense that there's a move to the consoles. But then when you get to a point where PC performance has reached a level where uh, you're not outstripping it as quickly – it's also not as difficult to upgrade as it used to be. And you're getting incredible delivery systems. The Steam delivery system has done exactly. wonders for yeah. the PC gaming community mm-hmm. uh, that you can see why this pendulum swings each way. So that's probably also uh, a factor. You know, it's not just that willies overtake consoles. It's framing that in if you already have a bias against consoles because you develop for the PC and you think that's the future of gaming. That might also guide your response to a question like this on the survey.
2: Absolutely. OK, but so that was with 40 percent of households. That last survey question. What about a slightly more more modest proposal?
5: Yeah. So like the idea that uh, VR or AR hardware will be in 10 percent of U.S. households. When did they think that would happen? Well, 38 percent said by 2020 mm-hmm. it would be there in 10 percent of U.S. households. 86% said it would be there by 2030 and 9% said never gonna happen.
4: Ooh, right. Wow. And we'll, we'll have more to say about this because it may very well be that VR becomes one of those things that, uh, is a, is a sort of a niche technology for a slice of the gamer population or mm-hmm. really the computer population, a computing population, because it's not just for the purpose of using, uh, in gaming, but, Yeah, I agree with especially the 86% by 2030 saying at least 10% of households in in, uh, the US will own some form of VR headset. I think that's pretty realistic.
5: But you've actually – you've used an Oculus Rift, haven't you? I have. OK. <laughs> yes. So that was I've a while re- ago, right? I've
4: almost recovered from it. Yeah. To ha. be fair – It was an older one. Yes. The Oculus dev kit – I an Yes. The dev kit I used was version one. It wasn't even version two. Version two was the one that had uh the reference dots on the outside and used an external camera to help – Get better external tracking right, right. of the device. Um, the one I used did not have that. So it was really just the head trackers that were relying upon the accelerometers and the headset itself. It
2: was still a little bit laggy. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah I, I, I may have mentioned, I don't know if I had used it when we did our first episode, but when I did try it out, the demo I used was just walking around virtually walking around a villa, like an Italian villa. It's a lovely little seaside villa that I'm 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 walking around. Uh I got so motion sick. Oh. And then my friend, who owns the Oculus, he works for Google, said, All right, are you ready to try the spaceship game? And I'm like, Heck no. (laughs) I do not want to cover your keyboard and vomit, is what I said to him. (laughs) And he thought thanked me for the thoughtful reply. And then we just played the spacecraft game without using the VR version. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, um,
5: well, I, I think we should take a look at the, uh, the lay of the land as things are today with the big players in, uh, in virtual reality. Like what's out there Right now, what's – and what's on the horizon?
2: Uh, Yeah, because when we did this in 2013, it really was basically just the Oculus Rift on the horizon. And there were kind of like some independent developers working on a few things, and there were some rumors that a few people might be getting into some things. Like
4: there was was the the mention of a Sony Morpheus, but no one really had any information about that. That, by the way, has totally changed names at this point. (laughs)
5: Yeah, now it's the Neo –
4: <laughs> it's the blue pill. Uh and and there were a couple of others as well, but yeah, the some of the big names that people are really anticipating this year hadn't even really been talked about back mm-hmm. in 2013, at least not in wide circles.
2: Sure, sure. Uh so okay, so so the only product that we can really reliably talk about because it has already come to commercial market mm-hmm. is Samsung's Gear VR. Mhm. And unlike the other products that we will talk about, this isn't something that you connect to anything as powerful as a game console or a desktop computer. It runs off of a Samsung Galaxy smartphone, off of one of four models Mm -hmm. specifically. You just, you just snap your phone into this headset. And it goes. Well, it doesn't, it, it's, well, it's not quite that simple, but yeah, it, it's a, it's, it's a headset. You snap your phone in and there are Android platform apps that you can install to work with a base Oculus app that will allow you to play games, explore virtual environments, you know, that sort of thing. Wait, got, wait a minute.
5: Oculus app?
2: Yes. Samsung yeah. developed the headset in collaboration with the folks at Oculus, the makers of the Rift. So the headset itself contains a proximity sensor that, that detects when it's being worn. Which most phones actually have. Like they they know if you're holding your phone up to your head.
4: So if you ever have noticed that uh, the light on your smartphone has dimmed just as you're putting it up to your cheek, that's the proximity sensor saying, all right, Jonathan's putting his phone up to his big fat head. I don't have to have the screen on anymore. It makes
5: it really hard to dial numbers with your cheekbones.
4: I don't have well-defined cheekbones, (laughs) so I just find that offensive.
2: I'm sure Benedict Cumberbuck is mad every day. (laughs) That's right. Every day. It also has a few more sensors. Oh, okay.
4: So what else does it got? Uh,
2: yeah, it's got an accelerometer in there, a yeah. uh, gyrometer, and a geomagnetic field sensor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that one can help uh, determine the device's position relative to magnetic north, which... Apparently is a thing that a lot of mobile devices do and I just haven't heard of
4: it before. Yeah, it's essentially it's essentially a digital compass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I just think that's great. Anyway, uh so yeah, uh in order to interact with with whatever virtual environment you're in, you can move your head and then either uh, swipe or click or both using the four directional touchpad that's on the right side of the headset.
5: Yeah. I saw a video review of this with a, a writer from The Verge uh, mm. where she was trying this out in mm-hmm. public. Like she was huh. like, well, I do most of my mobile gaming on, uh, you know, on the subway or public transportation or something. <laughs> so I am going to see how well it works on those things. Apparently th- there is a problem. Uh, If you are playing a game or something that tracks your your head motion when you're going around curves. Oh, so like if you if your car turns or if you go <laughs> around a curve in the subway, it will interpret that as you turning your head.
4: Oh, See, man. I would just imagine trying to play a VR game aboard a moving platform would make me feel motion sickness way faster.
2: Well, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be getting the external stimuli of uh, it's not like reading a book in a car. Because your, your field of natural vision is totally blocked.
4: Yeah. But what, when you're looking at a virtual world and let's say you're standing still while you're playing the game, but you're moving in relation to, you know, you're in a train that's moving.
2: Your inner ear is still doing a thing.
4: Yeah. Your, your brain is probably just saying like, guys, something is wrong. Nope. Nope. I'm just going to send a message down to Mr. Tummy to (laughs) evacuate Uh and then everything's going to be cool. Yeah. Bye-bye omelet. Right.
2: And and this is the kind of problem that wouldn't happen probably with most of the other devices we're going to talk about because uh, those have full-blown positional tracking, um, which reduces some of that issue. Yeah. Uh, This one does not.
4: Also, it's it's interesting to me that the interface is largely a a kind of a touch – directional pad Mm -hmm. that's on the device itself so Mm -hmm. in other words you know it's not like it's an external control although i would imagine you you could
5: you're like cyclops reaching up touching the goggles (laughs) on the side right
4: that's
2: exactly it or geordie kind of yeah Yeah.
4: i was thinking the same thing Uh those were exactly the two examples that come to mind when i think of this the the idea of lifting the hand up to the the temple and adjusting something but Mm -hmm. also uh, i would imagine in the future, you could probably create some uh, functionality with Bluetooth-enabled controls. So they that you would already
2: be able to do that. have, actually. That uh, makes there's, sense. Uh, The the only one that I've read about being available at the moment is uh, there's a controller that Microsoft uses for for other Windows and Android-based systems. That's mm-hmm. Bluetooth. Uh, it's it, you know like a, like a Console gaming controller. Gotcha. So it's not it's not anything too fancy, but yeah, you can. Uh, they, they cost like seventy bucks retail, and yeah. and they're they're compatible with some of the games. It's
4: interesting because this this particular approach, this particular device, uh, once you set aside the price of the phone. Like, if you already own the phone, then you're not talking about the cost of it. Right. Uh, but it's funny because then the controller costs almost as much as what this device does. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. The price tag on the system right now is $99 here in the United States. It's it's a little bit uh, – it's, it's about equivalent in the – other places, like, like in, 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 like in the Australia, kingdom, the, the UK. kingdom that
4: is united. <laughs>
2: that, that one, yeah. and I, I was trying to think if if it was available throughout the European Union or not. Sure, or if it was just in the UK. Yeah. That that was the pause. Uh, I, I know what the uk is called Uh, (laughs) um but yeah yeah so uh so that's a bonus because certainly a lot of the other systems that are out there are way more expensive
4: yeah let's talk about one of this
2: well uh, one one more one more thing um, oh sure or actually two two more quick things um that reviewers have been talking about uh they really appreciate that it's mobile that it's a truly mobile device you're not not tethered tethered. to Mm -hmm. anything so you have a much uh, better freedom of motion which you can use at your own peril because of course, if you're exploring a virtual world, you have to remember that things like tables are still present in your own world. Yeah.
4: Subway tracks,
2: subway tracks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can still run into all of these things.
4: Hooligans aboard the train.
2: Yeah. Um, a lot of them were also saying that it's the kind of system that's best used with independent headphones because mm. it, it, you know, just the sound out of your smartphone as lovely as it may be. And these are <laughs> modern times. Uh, it is yeah not not, to, not as immersive
4: you're not very directional right <laughs> like you right. you couldn't tell where the sound is coming from necessarily. Yeah. I mean, you know it's coming from the phone. I'm just saying you don't know what direction relative to where you were looking it's yeah. coming from. Yeah.
2: And and then of course the, the other obvious thing is that the device and the uh, screen resolution are only ever going to be as powerful as the smartphone that you possess.
4: Right. And also the smartphone is essentially dividing the display into two, right? You're getting right. one image for the left eye, one image for the right eye. And so that also, you know, is is limited. Your resolution is limited by the size of the division, uh, which also is a factor when we talk about Google Cardboard, which we'll get to a little bit later in this episode. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, but yeah, some of the some of the big, powerful, impressive ones.
4: Yeah. So uh, the big one, the big guy, I think that uh, most people are familiar with, although I would argue is not necessarily the one that's going to win over the most uh, converts is the Oculus Rift. Ah, uh, this was a, a project that's been around for years. We talked about it, I'm sure, in the 2013 one. Uh, so it's a head-mounted display, uh, has head tracking technology. That again, you know, the basic premise is that it tracks the motion of your head so that it uh, can reflect your change in perspective. Within the, the game you're playing. So that way, you know, if you're looking straight ahead and you have one view, you turn your physical head to the left. Your perspective changes as if your virtual character has turned his or her head to the left. Mm-hmm. And um, same you know, basic idea of any VR headset. It also connects to a computer, unlike the Samsung gear that we just mentioned. So uh, in this case, you you know you can't just have the oculus by itself you have to have it paired with a computer and a and a, a not um so weak computer either it needs to be a fairly beefy machine to be able to run the oculus rift at uh, at a good clip mm-hmm. um also this is uh, a company that was purchased by facebook and when that happened a lot of people who had been supporting oculus cried out in anguish, very much like all the people on Alderaan. Oh, yeah. Just as the Death Star targeted it, uh, Obi-Wan felt the pain of all the Oculus backers uh-huh. when oh, yeah.
2: Facebook mm-hmm. made this story. There, there was a huge disturbance in the force. Yeah.
5: Who is Obi-Wan in this case? Would this be Jaron Lanier? Uh,
4: I'm just going to say – the Obi-Wan of uh, the story. Possibly, yeah. Because, I mean, th- that's the guy who popularized the term virtual reality Uh or possibly coined it. He, Even he isn't sure. But um, uh, at any rate, the Oculus headset has some other bells and whistles that give it some cool features beyond just the regular uh, head tracking. First of all, it has positional audio. So you get these headphones that come with it um, and sound will appear to come from specific directions. So if you hear something coming from your left and you look to your left, you, you should be able to see whatever virtual thing is making that noise. Uh, it also is positional tracking, external positional tracking. This is what I was talking about before with the second developer kit where it had the reference points. Uh in this case you have a camera pointed back that can tell the orientation of the headset not just when it's moving. So one of the things that these head tracking systems are really good at is determining when you're looking left, right, up or down. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily as good if you were to tilt your head to the left or right so that you were getting sort of a diagonal view. But with external tracking, you can do that. You could even do things a little more extreme. So for example, let's say you walk up to a virtual table within a game and you decide you want to look underneath at the underside of that table. So you squat down in real life and you tilt your head up as if you're looking underneath this table with something like this you could actually get the result in the game, assuming that people the had programmed programmer, it.
2: Programmer, yeah, yeah. Programmed that in there. And sure. it may be
4: that you see a secret message under that table, like, dude, you got too much spare time on your hands or something. <laughs> um, but the idea being that you it gives you a lot more flexibility in in the way that you interact with the virtual world, which at least in theory, creates your sense of immersion when you are in there. Also, later on in this year, the year we're recording this is 2016, uh, if you are in fact listening to this in some other year, hello from the past, uh, Oculus will release some more controls, physical controls, to go along with the headset. Uh, they're called uh, Oculus Touch, I believe. Uh, these will help create an even deeper sense of immersion so that you can interact with the virtual worlds in a way that's a little more natural than holding a video game controller. Yeah. yeah no,
5: I think I've already seen that some of, the, some of these things have been demoed. Like you, you, it's a thing you put around your wrist or something that tracks the motions of your hands. There
4: are some third party ones that have been shown off and some, and some different concepts that have been shown off that won't necessarily make their way into a consumer product. Some of them might, mm-hmm. some of them might not. Uh, but the, uh, there have certainly been several different interfaces that have been experimented with and demoed to kind of give an idea of what it might be like to interact with this technology. And the whole goal of this is to try and remove some of those barriers that the gamers would feel or just customers would feel when using this technology so that they feel like they really are a part of this virtual world. You know, the more stuff that we have to do to accommodate the virtual world, the less likely we'll feel like we're actually there. So if you have to hold a video game controller while you're walking around a video game world, it may be that you always feel like you're playing a game. Whereas if you're able to create an interface that is largely invisible, like you're not actually holding a device in your hands, whether it's gesture your control or you've got some sort of glove device on or whatever it may be, then you're more likely to feel like you are actually in that virtual environment, right? Like you're not just playing a video game and you happen to be wearing the screen instead right, of looking right. at it. And this was, uh this, this whole project started off as a crowdfunding campaign. It wasn't originally just, you know, a company coming out with a, a product. This was, uh this
2: was a true startup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Well, it's easy to forget now that Oculus was a Kickstarter, baby.
4: Yeah. Good old Palmer coming up with this idea and saying, Hey, originally this was just going to be, about providing kits to people, VR uh, kits for them to put together themselves. But it got so much early attention and it, re- it hit so much success that it then went on to become beyond just a kit to let's create a finished product to the point where you get uh, folks who were coming over from Valve and saying maybe this is something I want to work on instead yeah. to Facebook acquiring the company. So it, it was – on the business side, something that was rapidly successful, even though we had not yet seen – and to date, as we record this, we have not yet seen a consumer product. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the most anticipated pieces of hardware in 2016 from a gamer perspective. Uh, I, I
5: What else is competing with it?
4: Other VR headsets, oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get into those yeah. in
5: a moment. I think I've read that the Oculus is still the most popular platform with VR game developers.
4: It wouldn't surprise me simply because it's the dev kit has been out for so long that a lot of people have had the opportunity to think about how they would design an experience that would be fun. And immersive when wearing an Oculus Rift. Uh, they got a pretty good head start. The, the downside of that is that gamers have been waiting for it for a few years.
2: Oh yeah. And had all, all of that media attention drum up.
4: Yeah. And the question is, by the time it comes out, will one, will gamers still care? Mm-hmm. And two, will it live up to the hype? Part of the problem, uh, maybe not problem, one challenge that they face is the fact that Making this technology uh, isn't cheap, and it doesn't look like it's going to be sold as a loss leader type of peripheral, at least not initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep in mind that any young technology, when it comes out as a consumer product for the first time, tends to be mega expensive. I remember when CD players came out oh, and they yeah. were like hundreds of dollars for a yeah. CD player. Mm-hmm. Well, you're,
2: you're really paying for the development at that point. Yeah, not, exactly. Not the product.
4: Yeah. So in this case, uh, we've, we now know how much the Oculus Rift costs because pre-orders opened up in January 2016 and it costs $599, which is more than any of the current video game consoles. So. A lot of people but kind of
5: not more than the computer it would take <laughs> to run the Oculus Rift. This right? is
4: true. Yeah, if you <laughs> wanted to, if you wanted to figure out how much the computer would cost, well, Tech Radar, uh, kind of did a a you know back of the napkin sort of of calculation, and they estimate. W- wait, which side of the napkin is the front? The part that you put your mouth on when you're you know, <laughs> when you and then you turn the napkin face down because okay, okay. you don't want to look at the stuff that had been you clinging. Don't want to ride you. on the ranch. You're yeah. right. Uh, never ride on the ranch, man. That's, that's leisure time when you're on the ranch. Anyway. How, how much
5: would this PC cost? They
4: estimated it would cost about $1,030. That's in addition to the $600 Oculus Rift headset. So you're talking about a $1,600 investment, assuming you don't already have a computer capable of running at the specs that are recommended for the Oculus Rift.
5: Now I. <laughs> I wonder, oh man, this is probably going to create a whole genre of hilarious YouTube videos of people trying to run Oculus Rift on computers that are extremely underpowered to do so. It makes
4: me think of the videos we saw when Tesla released the the driver assist autonomous mode mm-hmm. where people like one of the things it says is, hey, this isn't meant for you to take your hands off the wheel and just lean back and act like the car can take you there, which is exactly what everyone oh did. And they shot videos of it. And then you know when when accidents happened, they were like, well the technology's not ready. Idiot, it says right there. Do not do the thing the thing you just did. (laughs) Why is it that when we tell people not to do something, the first thing they go out and do is that thing? And not only do they do that thing, they video themselves doing that thing?
5: I mean, I wonder if it'll have fail-safes built in to detect, like, hey, the computer you're trying to use to run this thing on is going to make you sick. Maybe you shouldn't do it.
4: I think it'd just be funny if it just starts running, like you know, an eight-bit version of uh huh. of of Donkey Kong or, uh-huh. or or a Galaga or something like that. Fully um,
5: immersive Galaga.
4: I, I'm on board. So uh also that sixteen hundred dollars I mentioned doesn't include the touch controllers that will come out later in twenty sixteen. Uh however, if you're wondering is this going to be a barrier, is this going to truly kill the Oculus before it can ever have any success? It depends upon whom you ask because CNET's Jeffrey Morrison wrote that the demonstrations he had experienced had convinced him $600 was worth, it was, it's totally worth that price. It is, wow. it is an experience that is so compelling. $600 is not a problem. Uh, now granted, keep in mind, $600 is not a problem for people who have $600 to spend on a computer peripheral. Right. Right.
2: I, I assumed. <laughs> Yes, exactly.
4: Yeah. And other people have said, including uh, their, a writer for The Verge, has said that this suggests that VR may remain a luxury technology, something that only a niche is able to afford and enjoy. And therefore, it will never really blossom because the market won't be big enough to support the amount of development you would want for a really robust world uh, like a library a real library of games and experiences
5: well i imagine that'd be the case early on but i mean again i don't see why you couldn't think that at some point vr hardware will will be a loss leader technology just like consoles are you know you've got people developing games for them and they're going to make money back on those games as
4: long as you have a way of making money back on those games right like Uh if you if you have it where there's some sort of licensing fee in order to be able to use that technology, because right. if it's not your company that's developing the games, you have to find some other way of, of monetizing that, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, yeah. otherwise you made the hardware, but other people are making the software that runs on it. Um and other and if that's the case if all you're doing is making the hardware and you're not making the software it can't be a loss leader it's just a loss cuz you're never, <laughs> you don't have anything else to sell so it's definitely one of those things that's still a question mark uh my hope is that it would be like other consumer technologies that we mentioned before where the initial price is Relatively high, but then we see it decrease over time and more people can adopt it. And so you have, you have like that long tail, right? You've got the early adopters who have the cash to spend on this sort of stuff.
5: I mean, just think how cheap virtual boys are now.
4: Yeah. Let's not talk about that. At any rate, <laughs> at any rate. So that, that's the big daddy is the Oculus Rift, but there are but other there, players. There's another big daddy. I think so. Well, there's a couple, I would argue. But Sony's PlayStation VR is a is a definite big one. And it has a huge advantage over the Oculus Rift in that you already have an established base of gamers who would be capable of using this technology because it's compatible with the PS4. Mm -hmm. So this is a peripheral for the PlayStation 4. And unlike the Oculus Rift, where even if you're a PC gamer, you may not have a machine capable of supporting the Oculus
2: you you know your audience in this case. Yeah,
4: you've already got an established uh, base. Mm-hmm. And granted, only a percentage of that base is likely to go into the VR world, but you still know they're there, mm-hmm. right? You and know you what kind
2: of games they buy. You know how much yeah. money they're willing
4: to spend. You don't have to convince them to buy a new machine because right, they already totally. have a machine that works with yeah, it. Yeah. And uh there are some downsides to this, obviously. Uh, PC is one of those things where over time you can upgrade it, or you can buy a new one, and it's going to be more powerful, and the games can therefore take advantage of that increase in power, whereas with a console, you have a cap, a hard cap of how much power it can put out, with a few exceptions where occasionally you'll get a console where uh there'll be some way of upgrading it but that doesn't happen frequently
2: yeah well yeah th- these days you've got like memory chips and stuff that you can add in yeah and a, sometimes a the time, sometimes but...
4: there's a firmware upgrade or something but
2: sure sure but but for the most part your processors are going to remain your processors yeah, for not... the life of the product which is uh, what what is it these days 5 to 7 years they
4: the goal usually Sony aims for is 10 years okay that's what they wanted oh, for wow. the PS3 uh-huh. so the PS4 and Xbox 1 I think are both they were, they were trying to future proof them as much as possible so that, uh, more money could be made along the games side and you don't have to go and launch a new console and completely negate all the stuff you've right, already made. Right. Also, it would be compatible with Sony's Move controllers. Those are those little wands that have the balls on the end with a, a LED inside that can change different colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could use a couple of those along with the headset to interact with the uh virtual world, they could be like a you know, uh, they could be guns, they could be a sword, they could be a lightsaber. Uh I really wanna I really want a cool Star Wars virtual reality lightsaber. Could they be game.
5: huge crab claws?
4: They could be. They could be uh, you know, a paintbrush. They could be a mop. It could be pretty much anything.
5: Uh um, excuse me,
4: I need to go start a savings account. <laughs> it could be a hatchet, guys. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it could be, it could be any number of things. It could be, you know, uh, spaghetti. It could just be a lot of spaghetti.
5: That's what end. your hands are. Is I would, I would play that I game I love this nightmare would, you're painting.
2: I would play the my hands are spaghetti game every day. <laughs> I, I
4: have, I have often played it, usually oh. whenever I don't want to oh. deal with something. This is a great
5: idea. <laughs> it's a franchise of games where you have to do things like you have to defuse a bomb, but your hands are spaghetti. You
4: laugh. But there is the game Octodad, uh-huh. which is essentially that, uh-huh. <laughs> like, right? Octodad is not that different from the concept of my hands are spaghetti. You so. also have
5: to prevent the chief from finding out that you're spaghetti. If
4: if any of you make a game in which the character's hands are spaghetti, I want credit at uh-huh. least. I want to at least yeah. uh, based on an idea by Jonathan Strickland. Huh. Uh, so <laughs> it can also work along with the PlayStation camera, which not everyone has. But, you know, it was one of those add-ons that you could get with the ps4 but the camera could allow for some of that positional tracking that we talked about with the oculus as well same sort of thing um and uh one of my favorites uh demos that i got to see was something called job simulator so (laughs) you're laughing at at spaghetti hands job simulator was the funniest video i've watched today and i've watched a lot of them um (laughs) so job simulator starts off where you're in like a cubicle Uh uh-huh that is absolutely lousy with stuff like coffee mug and, uh, you know, books and binders and staplers. And there's like a copier right there and a terminal. You're supposed to be playing an office drone in 2050. Uh, the person who wrote up the little description said, I assume you're you're doing jobs that are too menial even for a robot. Oh. <laughs> and as it starts like all the, all the person does is start picking up everything in the little cubicle and just throwing it across the office. Like there's a point where they pick up the coffee mug, pour co- creamer into the coffee, tilt the coffee mug back as if they're drinking and you hear like a glug, glug, glug noise. Uh-huh. As soon as it's empty, throws it across the screen, <laughs> then like grabs two staplers and starts firing staples like, like they're like John Woo style all <laughs> over the place. It was phenomenal i was immediately like well this is like goat simulator it's one of those games yeah. where you you can't really see yourself playing it for a really long time but you can see yourself laughing your butt off for a, a good like 10 15 minutes with your friends while watching someone just go ape inside an office i'm not
2: sure i'm not sure that i have a, a top limit on how much i like to throw things also i guess it
4: helps when you think like if you've had a really bad day at work you can oh you yeah can exactly act it out right in the virtual world and just totally trash your workstation
2: oh uh, oh yeah yeah if you could build your own workstation like is, you yeah if can... is
4: there a defecate command? <laughs> I, I do not know exactly what levels you could do. I remember, also in the demo, there's one point where they put a, a red swing line stapler in the copier and start uh. making copies of it while also destroying and throwing things everywhere else in the office. Uh-oh. I'll show you the mm-hmm. video after this is done because it is hilarious. Excellent. Okay. Uh, but
5: that's not it. There, there are other, there's other hardware on the way, right?
4: Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's wrap this up with a couple more quick, uh, description so this this is one that i think is a real contender the htc vive uh the oh man
5: vive i was calling it vive yeah
4: i understand and a lot of people are like is it vive is it vive well when they were first talking about it they had read dash vive which tells me that it's oh, got to be vive. vive
2: yeah but
4: i've heard vive. people say vive as well i've never heard vive until today but uh Congratulations. Vive, I mean. Oh no, I guess it would be V. I don't know. Like, like, Vive la France. Yeah. 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 I, I understand. Yeah. That, well, it makes sense. Uh, but it is the Vive as far as I am aware. So HTC Vive is coming out with another dev kit version, uh, before it comes out with a consumer product version. The dev kit version is going to be the Vive pre. This is the headset that is backed by valve which is the company that that does the steam uh, platform for game distribution and game playing
5: so computers pc gamers
4: pc gamers and a really well-known name in pc gaming uh and so the consumer version of it is scheduled for release in april 2016 we still don't have a price as of the recording of this podcast but we can assume that it's going to be probably not dissimilar to oculus rift somewhere in that range uh-huh. like it would shock me if it's less than 500 dollars. it would not surprise me if it's 600 or thereabouts
5: but th- this one's got a got a different camera setup right it's got an outward facing camera
4: yeah the so a previous dev kit version used external cameras that were attached to your computer to map the room you're in the idea being that you would be able to use the physical dimensions of your room to wander around inside and the the system would protect you from walking face first into a wall by alerting you that you were getting close to the wall. It would show like a little grid, kind of like the deck in Star Trek, whenever okay. that uh-huh. would shimmer. Uh-huh. Similar to that. It would show you that to let you know you're getting close to an obstacle, so you should stop moving forward or you're going to injure yourself. The most recent version, instead of using those external cameras, uses a forward facing camera on the uh, or I guess rear facing camera, really rear facing camera on the device where it's, it's facing outward into the world and it can detect when you're getting close to an obstacle. So if you're walking close to a wall in a real physical space, you get the virtual alert so that you don't slam your face into it. Now, this gives you a lot more flexibility. You can move around in an actual physical space and have those motions uh, translated into in-game actions or in-world actions if it's not a game. Um, and so it's not just holding a controller and pressing forward to make your character walk. You could actually do some walking. Now, I think most of us probably don't have an enormous room we can dedicate to this kind of thing. So it creates some challenges to create a game where you know, you're doing this sort of action where it's not just gimmicky, where you're not just like dodging a dodgeball or something.
2: Yeah. It's I mean, you, you've got to kick someone that you live with out of your house. You've got to empty yeah. their room out.
4: Right. In my case, like I have an office where that's where my PC is. And if I put my if I made it my gaming PC, which is essentially what it is at this point, I'm not using it for much else. Mm-hmm. Um there's a desk in there. There's a, a couch in that room. There's not a whole lot of floor space for me to move around in. Yeah. So I'd be very limited in what I could do. So the kind of games I could play would have to be pretty limited too. I, I can't imagine playing a big open world sandbox game, right? I couldn't play like a, a modern day Legend of Zelda game and and run across Hyrule because I could only go three steps and then <laughs> I'd have to stop. Uh, I have seen some interesting research in VR Outside of this, where uh, there have been worlds designed where it gives you very subtle hints to turn so that you change your pathway. You're not, And it feels like you're walking in a straight line, mm-hmm. but in reality, you're actually walking in a circle. But you have to make that a pretty big room so that you can make it a big circle because it has to be subtle.
5: Right, if otherwise a, that's – sounds like yet another ticket to nauseation land. Right.
4: You're just turning in circles and you're nauseation, gonna... nausea, nausea. Yes. Uh, I'm familiar I like with it.
2: I think that's a good word, but
4: nauseation
5: yeah, nation
4: <laughs> the nauseation nation. That sounds like a terrible, uh, wrestling stable, but at any rate, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a cool idea though. The idea of actually incorporating your physical surroundings so that you can interact with them in a virtual way, including things like, Detecting that there's a chair, a physical chair in front of you in the real world and presenting a virtual chair in the virtual world. And you could actually reach out and touch this chair and sit down in it because it's really there in your room, but it's also there in the virtual representation of whatever world you are in. Uh, that's, a, that's something that this system is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of, it's also one of those that. <laughs>
5: Well, sorry. I'm just imagining you running around in Skyrim and every now and then there's an office chair or a treadmill or something. It should just be
4: a throne. It's just a throne that's in the middle of nowhere for no reason.
5: But it's shaped exactly like an office chair.
4: It would be pretty funny. Yeah. What would be really funny is if it's a throne, but you sit in it and it's actually an office chair on casters and you roll it and the throne itself just slides across uh-huh. the <laughs> landscape. That'd be hilarious. Uh, I, would, I would watch the YouTube videos that would right? result from yeah, that. Yeah. But would you play it? Probably. Uh, (laughs) I got to be honest. I love Skyrim. So Uh, Um, uh, but so,
2: so this isn't this is similar to augmented reality.
4: Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of a it's kind of a bridge between augmented reality and virtual reality, because the world that you are experiencing isn't entirely virtual. It's dependent upon the physical space you are in. But it's not really augmented either, because you could have a completely virtual representation of your environment. It's just incorporating physical elements so that you don't Break your legs <laughs> while you playing.
5: Know? Yeah, the, the the term would be – it would be the inverse of augmented reality. It would be like realized virtuality. What would it be?
4: Isn't that a song by –
2: Augmented virtuality?
4: <laughs> augmented virtuality. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There we go. We've invented a whole new genre. Yay! Um, and and- – you know, you could also pair this with something else. Like we've we've seen some interesting peripherals uh that are designed to allow you to run in different directions without actually moving anywhere. So one <laughs> of the ones I talked about, it looks kind of like you're running in a giant walk. It's it's a yeah, a hemisphere mm-hmm. made out of metal, and you wear these very low friction booties, you can run in place and you're on a pedestal that actually has a bar around it. So yeah. when you it's inevitably, faceplant though. So, so yeah. you
2: can only eat it so hard. Exactly, like you can't <laughs> eat it totally like hard. Like you're,
4: you're not gonna go. You're not gonna go. Rear end over tea kettle, oh, right? No. You'll just slam it your face like into a bar. like literally the
2: worst. I, you guys, I can't walk I, on regular frictive surfaces. I have
4: I haven't seen this in person. Okay. I I heard that it was at CES, but I didn't get a chance to go to the VR or an AR section, uh-huh. which really I'm sad about because I wanted to. Have, I wanted to get a chance to see because I've seen the pictures of it mm-hmm. for years. But I've never had the chance to actually experience it and see what it was like. There are also other peripherals that are similar to allow you greater amount of movement within a physical space to translate that into virtual actions. But probably the biggest, uh, advantage of the, the Vive or Vive, now I'm doing it, is that, uh, it's backed by Valve. And because the Steam platform is so popular, yeah, it has again, a big advantage. Again, you've
2: got a a huge known audience, and that might make it more attractive to a consumers and b developers.
4: Yeah, so I think I think that one's got, and and also I've I've just seen a lot of really positive reviews saying that the experience using HTC Vive feels more immersive than a lot of the competitors. Although I've seen some really positive stuff about the Sony VR headset too. So mm. all of these have had pretty enthusiastic reviews about them. Even the ones where they're like, here are a couple of things we think need to be fixed. But, um, but the Vive in particular, I think gets a lot of really, you know, positive uh, press.
5: All right. Is that pretty much what's out there right now or?
4: what what else do we have you got some vr light stuff
2: like, uh yeah kind of like half steps towards yeah. vr like uh, like if you guys have heard of google cardboard yep. which is a vr/ar platform yep. from google that turns your phone into a headset, sort of the so it's same kind of
4: like the gear, so,
2: sort of the same way that the gear VR does, but a little bit more lo-fi.
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's largely used as an educational tool these days, actually, you know, to the point where people have talked about using it for virtual field trips. So but <laughs> I mean, which makes sense, like if you're talking about a field trip to a place that is too remote for a class to go to, for example, mm-hmm.
5: if or if your parents wouldn't sign the permission slip.
4: Well, well, I just think like I grew up in rural Georgia if they gave me the opportunity to take a field trip to Washington DC virtually that would certainly be more realistic in in the sense of what my school was capable of doing than mm-hmm. actually bussing a whole bunch of potential lawsuits off to our nation's capital and uh and so this you know i can totally see it from that perspective so yeah it uses your smartphone uh the smartphone tends to have you know a a rear facing camera which can take in the scene of the external world for the augmented reality purposes. Um, VR stuff is pretty simple. The interface tends to be uh, based on magnetic interaction where, uh, again, it's it's manipulating that digital compass where you bring a, a magnet near the phone. And because the compass will detect the presence of the magnet, that could be a way of uh, putting input into the device. Now there are also capacitive touch surfaces that will interact with the screen. Um, and there's usually on the very top of the, of one side of the, the cardboard. So you, you know, can run your finger across that and use that for the input. Uh, but again, it's, it's not. Like an external control that you would use with some of these other devices, it does have the wireless advantage sure. that Gear does. Yeah,
2: you can walk around and trip over lots of things while wearing it.
4: And and if you wanted to make your own, if you have an Android phone, actually it's not even just Android now. Google Cardboard is available on other platforms. Mm-hmm. But if you have a phone that's compatible, like a of a compatible size, you can get the schematics from Google on how to build one yourself, or you could order one. There are a lot of companies that make kits.
2: Yeah, I mean for for like twenty or thirty bucks, like it's a pretty cheap. It's it's by far the cheapest experience. And a lot
4: of them are actually made out of cardboard. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. really are made of cardboard. Uh-huh. Some of them it's... are
2: really high quality cardboard. Yeah. But and yeah. Make it and... with
5: a Burger King crown and some tape.
4: Yeah, some, yeah you some, could. Of, <laughs> some of them are made of more robust materials. Like there's some that are clearly made out of plastic or other stuff. There's one that looked like a uh, an old stereoscope. Uh, it was designed. Oh, yeah, the little clicky things. Well, yeah, like the, like the one where you would put a a stereoscopic photograph on a little platform, which would be, uh, a certain distance away from your eyes. And then you have a viewfinder that Mm -hmm. would focus the, uh, lenses on that image so that you get that 3D effect. So it's like a steampunk version of Google Cardboard, essentially. It's what it comes down to. It looks like it would fit right in with a steampunk world. Um, so yeah it's, it's very similar again to the gear uh-huh. uh and there are a few there are a ton of other ones too but
2: uh yeah yeah well and and one one thing one thing before we move away from the from the cardboard specifically some critics say that we really shouldn't call it vr particularly because in most of the apps that are currently available for it, anyway, you're you're not controlling the movement of the camera through the environment. You're you, you can control your gaze within the environment. Sure, but it's more like a movie that's choosing where to take you.
4: Right. So uh, so it's like being on rails. You can look anywhere, or on a roller coaster. Think of it that. Yeah, yeah. Like you're on a roller coaster, which is fun, but you have to go the way the roller coaster goes, or things have gone terribly wrong. Uh And you can look any direction you want as you ride the roller coaster, but you're still going in the direction of the coaster. Right, right. right. Same sort of thing, Um which limits the feeling of immersion and also interactivity, obviously. Yeah. There are also other ones. There's a lot of third party ones, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, smaller companies the that startups, are tr- yeah. trying to get mm-hmm. into the space or trying to take advantage of the trend. But for the most part, I would argue that they're aiming for the market of parents who don't really know what it is their kids want for christmas so they go oh, out and buy no. that thing yeah you know what i'm talking about
5: the polystation for yeah
4: yeah <laughs> it's i'm not saying all of them are in that category but a few of them could be <laughs> okay so that's
2: basically what the virtual reality landscape is looking like right now what are we what do you guys think about the future i mean how, how do you guys think this is going to shake out
5: you know, I hate to invoke the killer app mindset, but I really do think it's the kind of situation where it's going to depend on games or experiences or content or whatever you want to call it. Because right. the, no matter how good the hardware is, I think it's just not going to take off until there are some several pieces of content on this medium that people won't stop talking about.
4: I can tell you right now uh what I think a killer app would be. Uh, and I'm I'm being totally serious. I'm not making a joke here. I think if someone can make a truly immersive, terrifying survival horror game in a virtual reality style where you are put in the position of somebody who's in like a super creepy house and it's Ooh. you have to walk around that creepy house by yourself and you've got that positional audio coming in through your headphones, your perspective is limited to whichever way you're looking. That's going to sell systems.
5: I would really enjoy that, but I don't know. I don't. I don't even have a good sense, I guess, of how popular horror games are in general. I, I just they're, they're sort of popular. outsiders, aren't they?
2: I think. I think they're relatively. I mean,
4: yeah. Think of things like the, there've been I mean, certain people
2: have sold some copies of Resident
4: Evil. I mean, and there's, there's yeah. been yeah. A, there's <laughs> been a, <laughs> a real renaissance recently too with things like Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm-hmm. That's a PC game that has gotten insanely popular, and it's a very simple premise. Uh, but it's it's a survival horror style. Or or Emily wants to play. That's another new one. That's fantastic. I haven't even heard of these. I'll talk to you about them after the show. They are great. Okay. Well, uh, I, yeah. I, okay.
2: Well, I, I I would have a I, I'm my heart rate increased just thinking about playing <laughs> a game like that. I'm not sure if that would be for me in my old delicate age.
5: I, I have a pretty good idea of I think what the killer app is going to be, and yeah. it's something I read about earlier today. Apparently, coming to the Oculus Rift and PlayStation VR. Penn and Teller present Desert Bus 2. This time it's in VR.
4: So give a quick, <laughs> give a quick rundown of what Desert Bus is for the people who oh, have not heard about Jonathan, it.
5: Jonathan, I haven't played it. I think you have. I have played <laughs> it. So you should say what the original Desert Bus is. So Desert
4: Bus was a game that Teller had proposed uh, in a – or actually a, it was Penn who proposed it in a uh, one of their books a few years ago, several years ago now. And the idea they had, they actually came out with a, I think it was for Sega CD. They came out with a, a, an idea that never actually made it to market, but later on was released in bits and pieces. One of the games they came up with was uh, based upon their experiences touring as, a, as an act. And they said, well, what if we made the world's worst video game where you are a tour bus driver And you're driving a bus from, I think it's Tucson, Arizona to Las Vegas, Nevada. Yep, that's it. And you're going along like a desolate highway. There's no traffic. You're in a bus that's top speed is 55 miles per hour. I think it's 45. Might be 45. No, maybe you're right. But at any rate, any rate, it's, it's somewhere in that range. The bus always pulls a bit to the right, so you have to constantly correct for that. Uh-huh. And it time passes in real time, and it really does take you eight hours to drive from Tucson to Las Vegas. And when and you it get cannot there, be paused, you can you can pull off to the side of the road, but then you, you know, you're just sitting there. You're not doing anything. <laughs> it's just time's just passing. Um, but you you keep on going, and when you get to Las Vegas, you get one point, and then you turn around and you have to head back to Tucson <laughs> and it and uh so there this has actually been used by a couple of uh well by one charity group in particular where every year they do a marathon session uh to try and get more points than they did the previous year <laughs> and it's all so it's, how
5: much, so every point is 8 hours of gameplay yeah
4: and I can't remember. Of nothing what, happening. I can't remember what the high. Yeah, but they do, they do rotate out people playing. So it's not one person being tortured for like days on end. <laughs> uh-huh.
5: But the. Seems uh, like eventually the system would overheat.
4: They, yeah, they, ra- yeah, cause boy, the demands on that are so high. Right. Uh, but yeah, they, they raise a lot of money for charity through, through that kind of marathon system. But well, but,
5: anyway, Pen says Desert Bus 2 is coming. So this would mean it, that, and that you it's would. It's coming in full virtual reality. You would,
4: you would have the. You, I, I talked to Joe earlier. I said, this this would really be uh, impressive to me if you could add in audible but incoherent mumbling.
5: Oh, yeah. So like
4: like the people you are driving are yeah, having a conversation. Audio. Yeah, but you can't make out what they're saying. You can just hear that they're having a conversation. And occasionally someone's getting excited about something, but you still can't make out what the conversation's about. And it'd be even better that if you turn around and look behind you, you just see a curtain You can't see into the back of the bus about who is talking. All you're looking at is just a blank curtain. And then you have to just turn back and look at the desolate highway ahead of you as you continue your seemingly endless journey. That, I think, would truly bring that experience to life. So
2: for you, this is the ultimate future of VR. Uh, and this is what we are going to see in the next few years.
4: I think we're going to see a lot of different attempts at using VR, whether or not they'll be successful remains to be seen, but I, I've seen a lot of products that are looking at using VR headsets, not as a means of creating games, but other types of experiences like a really immersive film. Uh, one of the products I saw at CES was the 360 fly camera, which is capable of capturing 360 degrees of video So this solves a problem that some filmmakers have encountered where they thought, I want to use this VR headset to film a scene of some sort in 360 degrees so that the audience can choose where to look at any given moment in the scene and see something different Uh, and even have characters surrounding the audience member. You could even create such an experience where you are a passive participant in this scene. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are a character within the scene, but you you don't have any lines or anything, but you you are representing someone who is actually there while all this other stuff is going around you. That could be a possibility. Uh, And this is a camera that helps filmmakers who want to make such an experience do that. Uh, Obviously, filmmaking in that style would be really challenging. I mean, you have to figure out how to light the scene and get the sound and do that without the film crew being there. Cause that would just be weird. Like you're looking ahead and you're seeing this amazing scene and you turn around and there's the gaffer, you know, that'd uh, be weird. You could,
2: you could solve this problem by having, by, by that old writer's trick of, of having everything take place on movie sets.
4: That's true. You could do that. <laughs> that would, that would solve it where, you know, you are maybe sitting in the director's chair and <laughs> yeah. of course then you have an enormous camera blocking your view straight ahead, <laughs> but everything really interesting is going on behind you anyway. Now, the question remains, is this going to push VR into a must-have piece of technology that gets wide acceptance, or will it just remain kind of a gimmick, sort of the way 3D has been for, particularly for the television market, where, you know, it's usually one of those things that's just an add-on feature that hardly anyone ever uses when they get their, their television that's 3D capable. They don't use it very much. That's a possible outcome of VR. I honestly don't know the answer to that. I hope that it becomes a viable piece of technology. But, you know, there's some pretty big hurdles to overcome in order to get there.
2: Yeah, I think that the VR boom is going to come. And and I do genuinely think it's going to come relatively soon in non-entertainment sectors, in uh, stuff like sales and marketing and design. Development of that technology and, and the public's comfort with it through those kind of channels could then lead to a boom in the entertainment sector. But I think that first it's going to be stuff that people who like making money can use to make more money, which I just honestly don't think gaming is going to be the first the first bit that that's that that's going to happen in. Um for for oh. example, um like in in the United States, uh we have we have a big box chain called Lowe's that does like hardware and appliances and home design stuff like that, you know. Mm. Um and in a few select stores around around the country, they offer what they've called the hollow room in which customers can lay out a virtual kitchen or bathroom using an in-store iPad app and then explore their design using a a developer level Oculus Rift kit. And you can then save your design to Lowe's customer website. You can export it to a YouTube 360 video so that you can watch it at home on a cardboard or something like that. Mm -hmm. And according to representatives from the company, uh, the, the tool has increased sales. In stores that have been using it.
4: Interesting. Now, this, so, this is something that I would imagine AR also coming in really handy because then you could use that sort of thing in your actual home environment and see what those overlays look like. Oh, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. I think there. that that
2: kind of thing for for the for a certain class of people is, yes. is going to be <laughs> right because I mean, because because who has? It's the kind of person who has enough money to buy a like six hundred dollar headset that they then use to contemplate buying what I can only imagine is a ludicrously comfortable chair.
4: I could just imagine this being used for comedic purposes in a, in a, a television show or movie in which you have that stereotypical uh, scenario where you've got the couple – and one of them is demanding the other one move a piece of furniture to another part of the room in order to see if it looks better there, mm-hmm. except in this case, they're both just wearing headsets. Like, no, I think I liked it better over in the other corner. Can you put it back over there? I'm like, oh. it throws it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 in like in the uh, job simulator. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or or at, at that rate, it would solve a lot of couple fighting problems in in stores for people going, like, I really don't think this color couch is going to work. Yeah. If they if they've got a 3D rendering of their home, then they could see.
4: Right. And if they had any sense of Well, color if they have matching. a sense of taste, yeah. yeah that's I, that's a separate issue. It would not work for me. As I far
2: would... as I can tell, no one has been able to market a sense of taste yet. Yeah. Um one more thing I did want to want to bring up, there was a really great piece on CNET just today about how VR demos are being used uh, this week at the National Retail Federation's yearly conference, which they call the Big Show which uh, having hung out with wrestling people yeah. too often reminds me of a whole different separate
4: issue. But I've anyway, him. he is big.
2: <laughs> so, for, for example, one luxury home retailer demoed an app for the gear VR that lets you move through a virtual catalog, which sounds so boring mm-hmm. in one way, but in the <laughs> other way is probably a really clever marketing tool, like, yeah. like letting people letting people use that kind of thing to spend more of their money. Microsoft showed off an app that's, that's basically a virtual brochure for Virgin Atlantic's upper class flights. <laughs> uh, which, which is a whole hilarious thing. There's like guided meditation. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but, but yeah, so it's the sort of thing that could be used at trade shows to help sales reps demonstrate their, their products or their product experiences in this sort of case.
4: I could, I could see that. Like, uh, you know, again, anything that makes it easier for you to, to have people get an idea of what something is about, especially something that's so like luxurious and high end, mm-hmm. uh, trying to convince the people who have the money to spend on such things. I could see that being a very valuable marketing tool. So that's an interesting uh, view. I you know whether or not that would ever trickle down to a, a more broad base is an interesting thought as well. Uh, I think we'll probably revisit this maybe in early 2017 once, all these headsets have come out and uh, had had some time in the marketplace to see, yeah. you know, how things are shaping up.
2: I had a holiday season.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of these are coming out well ahead of the holiday shopping season, so it's a qu- good question to see, like, well, are they going to get some early adoption? Will it be very limited? I suspect it'll be pretty limited at least early on, but uh, and will it live up to the hype? Mm-hmm. Will people actually think, oh, this was worth the? This wait? is
2: great. Yeah. yeah.
4: But this was really fun guys. Uh and you listeners out there, what do you think about virtual reality? Are you, is it something that you're ready for? Is it something you have absolutely no interest in? Is it something that you've tried and you hope is finally ready are you old like me and you remember the really bad vr from the mid to late 90s let us know and let us know if you have any suggestions for future topics as well email address you can reach us at is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com or drop us a line on facebook or twitter at twitter we are fwthinking just search fwthinking in facebook will pop right up and leave us a message and we'll talk to you again virtually really soon
0: For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit ForwardThinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. It's brand new, season two.